And God says we need to bear with one another in love. In other words, you can love somebody you don't agree with. Did y'all know that? Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Are, are you a person? Let me ask you this question. Are you a person that brings division or do you bring unity where you walk? Now, I understand division in the sense that we when Christ comes in, sometimes people are offended and they don't like what you represent or who you represent. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about maybe in your family. Are you the person that brings peace and unity or are you the person that brings division in your family? Or in the church, in, in the church. Maybe you're not a part of this church, but if you are, are a part of a church body, are you that person that people can look to to bring uh, compassion and love and unity in the situation? Or are you the person that always is causing division? Because God's called us to be people of peace, peacemakers. We're to walk in unity. Verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Now that one baptism he's talking about, there's, there's, there's one baptism for Jews and Gentiles. He wasn't talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit there. He's talking about the baptism because there was, a, there was this, this rift between Jews and Gentiles that they had to deal with all the time. He said there's just one, there's one baptism. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. It's in you all. My next question for you is, do you doubt who you are in Christ? Do you sometimes doubt who you are in Christ? Because he says he's in us. How many of you know he says he's in us? If you've given your life to Christ, he's in you. Like the Gatorade commercial, you know, is it in you? Is he in you? If, if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you've invited him into your heart. You've, you've prayed and said yes to him. You've repented. You've asked him to come and save you and restore you and renew you. Man, he's in you. But sometimes people doubt that. They, they, they walk in, you know, every, every week they're at the altar. What, I must be lost again. I must, I'm saved, now I'm lost. I'm saved, now I'm lost. They, listen, that's not the way it is in the kingdom of God. If you call him, he's in there. He's, in, he's within you. And if the enemy can get you to doubt that God can save you and keep you, man, he has got you on a road, of a roller coaster road. He's got you on a walk that is divided. He's got you on a walk that's shifting all the time. And you're not, you're not solid in your walk. God wants us to be solid in our faith. He wants us to walk with Him in the light, not in the darkness. Verse 7, But to each one of us grace was given, given according to the measure of Christ's gift. You know, I've read that scripture many times. But it was this week that it seemed like God showed me something different on that verse. Sometimes we go, well, you know, he didn't give me much grace. He, he gave Pastor Harold a lot of grace. But he didn't give me much grace. You know, so that I, I don't really walk in that security because I just don't get it. I, you know, I wish he would have given me a lot of grace like he gave Brother Charles and Brother Basil and Brother Randy. I, I just wish he'd, but I, I'm just that guy that, you know, God just, he's doling out grace, but he just kind of left me in the lurch. But listen what it says there in that verse. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. What was the measure of his gift? It was everything. His gift, the measure of his gift was he didn't hold anything back. He gave his very life for you and for me. So if we go back and we measure the grace that he's given us by what he did for us, 
You cannot say he didn't give you everything and all the grace that he had to give. He gave it to you. He gave it to me. So my question is, do you feel like you got shortchanged in grace? I know Christians that do. They walk in some level of authority sometimes, some level of victory sometimes, but much of their life is spent in the woe is me category. Why me, God? Why me, God? Why'd you do that to me, God? Why'd you allow this to happen, God? God said, look, I've given you this grace, this amazing grace. We sing about it all the time, amazing grace. So why do you keep saying I haven't given it to you? Because he has. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Next question is, why is this prophecy important? Why, as Paul is quoting from Psalm 68, he doesn't quote it verbatim. Maybe you can go back and check it out. And, and This is probably one of those passages of Scripture that you can look and search commentaries and read about, and you'll have a hundred different versions of what this means. Uh, captivity. He led captivity captive. Uh, he descended to the lower part. Did that, was that when he went and preached to those in prison? Uh, what was he talking about here? And I'm here to tell you, I don't understand all of that. And if you do, that's great. I just don't, I don't understand all that. I do know this. He did die for my sins. He went below. He was buried for my sins. He ascended to heaven. And he, when he ascended to heaven, he showed the world, even, even at the cross, even at, I mean, at the resurrection, he showed the world that he was victorious over death. He was victorious over sin. And he took what was captive and let it, what was captured and took it captive. Now, that, that doesn't make much sense, does it? What was captured? Look, we were captured by what? Sin. But when we give our life to Christ, we are captured by who? Jesus Christ. We become a slave of Him. We become His. We, we, we've given ourselves to Him, so we, He's led captivity. He took us out of captivity from the enemy and brought us captive into the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And when He did that, He says, I have gifts for you, and I'm going to send the gifts that have been operating outside of the realm of Christ. I'm going to send you gifts, and He gives us gifts through people. He gave us gifts through people, and those are what we're going to talk about next. But I want you to understand, the last thing He said there when He quoted that Scripture was that He might fill all things. The, pro, the, the fact is that Jesus died on the cross. When he died on the cross, what did he say? Three words. It is finished. He was speaking prophetically, wasn't he? Because he hadn't died yet. He hadn't rose yet. So he's speaking prophetically even from the cross. He said it is finished. He's taking care of everything. So when, when Paul quotes this scripture from Psalm 68, he's saying, guys, he filled it all. He's done it all. It's so important that we know prophecy so that we all understand when it's fulfilled. And he said he's fulfilled all of them. He's, he's taken what was captured and set it free and captured it himself. And then in return from that, he sent gifts. See, when he ascended, what did he say he would do after he ascended? What did he say he would do? He said, I will send who? The gift of the Holy Spirit. Say gift. It's a free gift. He said, I will send you the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise, whatever. He, he said, Go and wait and tarry in Jerusalem. Ten days after he ascended, he sent the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen?
It's important that we know, especially for you, that those of you that are struggling and saying, well, I'm waiting for the next big thing that God's going to do. Listen, he's done it all. He's already done it all. He just wants you to grab hold of what he's already done. Verse 11. And he gave some, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Who gave us these offices? Are these self-appointed or are they God-appointed offices? Wow, you're, you're sharp. Did you know in the church today we appoint people all the time? In, in the church in, in general, people are appointed. They're appointed to go here and do this and do this and do that. Not necessarily called of God, but they thought, you know what? I think one of these days I wanna, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to become a pastor. I want to become an apostle. I'm going to become a prophet. I'm going to become a teacher. I'm going to become. Listen, it's a it's a calling that comes upon your life. To to God places us in these positions, and He says, "I want to give you some people to be the apostles, some prophets, evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers." Now, the reason I really wanted to focus on this today was that I believe that we're on the threshold of something great in this body, and it's really moving into more of a, a, a picture or a, the power of operating in a five-fold ministry. You've heard us talk about it. We've all, we always say we're a five-fold ministry. You know, when we came out of a denomination, if you talk about five-folds, I was thinking you're folding your towels. Your towel's funny. Because I didn't know what they were talking about. Five-fold, what are you folding up here? Five-fold ministry. And some people call it a four-fold ministry because they say pastors and teachers are lumped together. Eh, you know, that's, if you want to call it that, that's fine. But God has an order to his government. Say order. In much of my life, I didn't see that order. How many of you didn't know about the fivefold ministry for a long time? How many of you still don't know what it is? It's okay. It's all right. Fivefold ministry. He had an order. Uh, uh, Robert Morris teaches that it's sixfold. Because, and I'll show you in a minute why he calls it that. But he said, wait, there's a five-fold ministry. This is the way I'm going to do. This is the government of the church. So many of our churches operate on a one-fold or two-fold ministry. You know that? Many churches do. They've got a pastor. And uh, because they have a youth pastor, they might call it two-fold, but that's not what it is. Uh, they don't operate with the, in the apostolic realm. They don't operate in the prophetic realm. They do, they, evangelism usually is pretty big in, in a lot of churches, especially some denominations. They believe in the, the office of evangelist. They, oh, they definitely believe in the office of pastor and teacher. But apostle and prophet, they, eh, that was old time. That was, that was way back in the day. That was, it. That was when Paul lived. And, and that doesn't, that's, not, that's not current anymore. And so we don't talk about it anymore, even though the Bible talks about it a lot. Let me give you a definition of these five. An apostle is one who is sent forth with orders. One who is sent forth with orders. Now, Ron, Ron Campbell, the prophetic voice in our, in our body, or the, in, our, in our covering, whatever you want, our relationship or ministry, he spoke, and, and, and this is what he said. He said, Harold, you're the apostle of this body. I've never put that title on myself, okay? Uh, you won't see in my business card say Apostle Harold. But he describes it this way. He said, you were called. Uh, see, if you all have seen the, the video of our history, how it happened. You were called and you were sent to go to this place. 
He said, that's an apostolic calling. Uh, I would say that Don Babin has an apostolic calling on his life. Why? Because God said, I want you to go to this tribe in Africa. Nobody else, you know, that, that was what God specifically told Don and Michelle Babin. I want you to go to this tribe in Africa. That's an apostolic calling. He's gone over there and started a work, right? A specific work to do a specific thing. So apostles are one who are sent forth with orders. And the orders don't come from somebody else. They come from the Lord. We used to have people, when people say, well, where are you going to, where's your church going to be? And we'd say, well, it's going to be downtown. <laughs> you know, the response was, what? <laughs> downtown? Why? The city's growing out that way. And you know, our response was, because God said to come downtown. I didn't hear it from a man. God spoke that to me. I want you to be downtown. And it just so happens, one of our little phrases that we use is that Jesus, that we're taking Jesus to the heart of the city. And when that even, even that word freedom fellowship came up, that was from God. Y'all understand that? We didn't decide we were going to have a contest to name the church contest. It was like God gave us this. And when we had a confirmation, the first place that we met in this little storefront over here on Tuick Street, the Christians in Action building, uh, that's before they moved out that gigantic place. We were meeting in this storefront place over there. And after we'd been there a few weeks and they let us use their building for free, and there was like 20 of us, maybe 25 of us. And uh, one day, uh, Carl, uh, Carl uh, Hansen, he came up to me and said, Pastor Earl, he said, uh, he said, do you mind if we advertise when people come in here for food for, for A, that we advertise your church as a place for them to come in and fellowship? And I said, man, that's exactly what God's told me. He said, we're, we're going to be down here. We're going to reach out to the people that a lot of people aren't reaching out to. I said, that'll be great. And he said, okay. So a couple of weeks, I opened up my mailbox and I get out this brochure and it says Freedom Fellowship, uh, 14 Steps to Freedom and, and on the back. And, and I was reading all this thing and I went up. Went to his office the next day and said, well, Carl, you didn't have to go to all that trouble to print out those, those, those programs. Uh, he said, you have to understand, Harold, I've had those printed up for months. I, I said, this one, I was like, huh? <laughs> I said, well, did you just have them printed up and then you came back and put our name on it? He said, no. And it was Freedom Fellowship. I've, I've still got the brochure. He said, God already told me there was going to be a church meeting downtown called Freedom Fellowship. Confirmation. God called you and he will show you the way. The prophetic or prophets, they are associated with apostles. They discern and do what is best for the Christian cause. For telling certain future events, they are moved by the Holy Spirit to speak. Having power to instruct, comfort, encourage, rebuke. Convict and stimulate their hearers. Again, we have Ron Campbell comes in maybe twice a year, sometimes three times, and uh, speaks and teaches. He has a teach, teaching gifting, but he also he speaks into the lives in a prophetic way. And uh, he speaks it one-on-one with people and, and tells them things that God wants to show them about their future. I used to believe that that was just donezo. That wasn't. That didn't happen anymore. God never told, never said it in his word, it sees, but somebody else had. The third office is evangelist. There, that, that word means messenger of the gospel. Don Babin was actually, uh, Don, I, I, you know, he said God delivered him from being a pastor. 
He actually pastored a church for a while, but he knew that that wasn't his calling. You know, you can, be, you can operate in the wrong place. And God will even grace you and give you grace to operate in some other areas of your life. And, and you can operate in more than one of these things. But he said, I was at a church, and I, I, I said, I didn't have a pastor's heart. And as an evangelist, all he cared about was people getting saved. And there wasn't a whole lot of discipling or anything like that. He just, get them saved and move on, build the church and go out and get people saved. And, and when he finally figured out that that wasn't his calling, he was... He understood, you know, he, one day he said, he told Mary Lee, he said, I haven't seen many miracles. I know, and he said, I never had seen a real miracle. And Mary Lee said, well, Don, how many people did you say you've been a part of leading to the Lord? He said, well, about 80,000. She said, well, I think you've seen a lot of miracles. Because he could, I mean, I, seriously, he would come and preach. I, 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 he could preach about nothing. <laughs> and give the invitation, be, well, I need Jesus. Because he had this gifting of an evangelist. It, w- it would just floor you. Y'all remember what I'm talking about? Some of you have been here a long time. He, he would preach and tell stories. And man, we'd all be rolling in the aisle just laughing. This guy was like a stand-up comic. And then he'd say, now some of you need to know Jesus. And people were like, oh yeah, I need him. Had a gifting of an evangelist. Pastors. Uh, the definition for a pastor is a shepherd and overseer of, the, of Christian assemblies. Oh, excuse me. Teachers, those who in the religious assemblies of the Christians undertook the work of teaching. That makes sense. With a special assistance of the Holy Spirit. Now, pastor, teachers, they, they lump that together there. And that's many pastors are teachers. But have you ever known a pastor that really wasn't a, te- a teacher? But he was a pastor. And he would hug on you and love on you and, and help you and do whatever he could. But he might not have been a very good teacher. So I think there's a distinction in that there. So there's five gifts. That Jesus said I'm, I, he gave us uh, to operate through people. But why did he give us these? For verse 12 says the, re- the answer. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. You read that again. He appointed all those for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Here's the question. Are you getting equipped? Are you getting equipped? You know why you need to get equipped? Because you're just supposed to do the work of the ministry. You're supposed to be a part of edifying the body of Christ. Uh Uh-oh. Please receive this in love. We have, what, 250 people here? On Wednesday nights, we have about 50. We have Monday nights, we have 15, 20 guys show up to get equipped. Have about 10, 15 women get, getting equipped. When Mary Lou had, and I had our class downstairs, we might have 30, 25 or 30. That doesn't add up to 250. That would speak to me unless you're doing a whole lot of online Bible studies and listening to lots of teaching tapes that the majority of you are not getting equipped. And if you're not getting equipped and you're going out into the world to advance the kingdom of God, my thought is, it's just me, probably not advancing it much. 
Where's me a pen that I can drop? <laughs> you could hear a pen drop. Why aren't you getting equipped? I started to show a video of a guy that, that woke up in the morning and his first thoughts were God. Wow. God. His, his first thoughts were, God, where are you? Because he didn't like to get up in the morning and he just said, God is another day. What, where are you? But he immediately put on music. He immediately got in his car and put on more music. When he didn't have his music on, he was looking at his email and he's looking at his Facebook and he's looking at Instagram. He's looking at Twitter. And when he got out of his car and went to work, he, of course, he was absorbed in his work. When he got off of work, even though he might, he might have, he got in his car again, he listened to the news. And all day long, he listened and listened and listened and he filled his mind with stuff. But it wasn't things of the kingdom of God. He's filling his mind with stuff. You know, if you're filled up with all the stuff of the world, you don't have much room for God. Well, Pastor, I, you know, Wednesday night, it's really tough for me to get down there. I got, well, Monday nights, I just, guys, if, if we're not getting equipped, we're not going to advance the kingdom. I, I, I can't, I wish I could sugarcoat this somehow and say, it's okay not to get equipped. But the Bible says he's given us these people, these apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip the saints. And if you're a saint, you need to get equipped. Verse 13. I think I've... Made that point pretty clear, huh? <laughs> Till we all listen, this is what we do. He says, Get equipped for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come, all come, all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, a, a, a mature man complete man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ see he says I want you to get equipped so this won't happen that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting he said listen if you're not getting equipped that's going to happen to you right if you're not getting equipped, if you don't learn the word, if you're not getting into the word, if you're not learning how to walk in the things of God, then the trickery of men, the deceit, all those things will come bombarding your life day in and day out. And you'll get to church on Sunday morning and go, ah, finally, I made it. I got to get some equipping. I got to get something because I've, I've just made a mess of my week. Right? And you, you get anything, well, pastor's going to give it to me for about 30, 45 minutes. Man, that worship, man, that, listen, if that's all the worship you got, that ain't enough. If Sunday morning is, is the beginning of your worship and the end of your worship for the week, that's not enough, church. I don't know what we expect. I don't know what I expect. If, if we're going to come here and a few people get on board and a few people get equipped, but the rest of us just go about our merry way and we think we're going to advance the kingdom, it's not going to happen.
But speaking the truth in love. Listen, I'm speaking this in love. It might not sound like love. But I love you so much. And I love this city so much. I love, I love the people that God's put around us so much. I don't want to see people go to hell, do you? I want to see us advance the kingdom of God. At least in our, in our, in our city. I know he's called us to the nations, but at least in our city, can we can we be that group of people that this that everybody's talking about in the city? Say, listen, there's something going on downtown. There's something going on in the heart of the city. People are getting saved. They're getting healed. They're getting delivered. But are we hearing enough of that? I don't think so. I just don't think so. It's so easy, guys. And listen, I get caught up in stuff. It's so easy. For us to get distracted and pull this way and that way. I understand that. I understand you got kids and I understand you, you got to take time with your kids. I understand all that, that you have to work and make a living. I understand all that. But at the end of the day, what is that going to gain us if we haven't gained Christ? What is that going to gain us if we haven't advanced the kingdom of God and we just stayed at neutral again another day? I just can't imagine somebody being a NASCAR driver that all they did was get at the starting line and rev up the engine. Just keep it neutral. And everybody else, zoom, 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 you know? They're just sitting there neutral. Uh, that's some, somewhat like some of the church today. The, the world's going really fast and we're just sitting in neutral. We're not, we're not going after what God's got us to go after. Speak the truth in love that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom he, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Did y'all see that? Every part does its share. That's why it's a sixfold ministry. It's prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and the saints. Everybody doing their share. Everybody. That's why you need to know that you're worthy of the calling. That's why you know that God gave you gifts. That's why you need to know that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. That you're not the least. That you are special. That God has a calling on your life to do great and mighty things in his name. And quit waiting for that person next to you to do it. You be that person that says, yes, yes, equip me. I'm ready. I want to go after everything you have for me, God. Listen, when everyone does their part, it says it causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. The problem in many of our churches today is we have too many apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers building their own kingdoms. And in turn, they're equipping others not to follow Christ, but to follow them. May that never be here. May it never be. Don't follow me, follow Christ. Or follow me as I follow Christ. As Paul said. I got a lot more to say, but I'm not going to say it. But I am going to. I'm going to end with this question: Are 
Are you more mature today in Christ than you were last year at this time? Don't answer out loud. Are you more mature in your faith today than you were last year at this time? Have you grown in the last 365 days? Have you been walking in the things of God? Have you been getting equipped? Have you been laying out a plan that, God, I want to be equipped in this area, in this area, in this area, and I'm getting on board with what you're teaching me? Do you have, are you growing in your faith? Or can you say, I'm kind of at the same place I was last year? Or would you say, you know what? I think last year I was better off than I am this year. This is serious stuff. I mean, we, we didn't come here to play games. I mean, if you did, you came to the wrong place. <laughs> I, I, I so believe that we're on the threshold of something so great. I really believe that. I'm not, I'm not just saying that to, to get you, uh, you know, this rah-rah kind of attitude. I believe that we're positioned for on this threshold of something so great in the coming months. And I'm, 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 I'm meaning this year. I'm not going to say in 2014. And this year, God's showing us some things that we're about to step into. But we need everybody doing their part. Everybody. And you can't whine and complain about the little stuff. You can't get offended at the little things that you don't like that people do. You're going to have to walk in this thing called love. You're going to have to walk in this thing called grace. When you don't agree with somebody, listen, you just pray for them. Let them pray for you. But you can agree to disagree. But whatever it is, you're going to walk together in love to advance the kingdom. It's not about your agenda. It's about the God's agenda. It's about his kingdom advancing. But I want you to, I'm going to ask you, I want you to seriously contemplate this. Are you stuck where you were last year, or are you moving forward and advancing the kingdom of God as you move? Because when Joshua stayed on one side of the Jordan, he didn't advance the kingdom until God said, now's the day you go across the Jordan. He, he dried up the Jordan so they could go across. And he said, go possess the land. Go possess your inheritance. Go take hold of the promises of God. He could have stayed like the other tribes, the other three tribes. They said, well, we're going to stay over here. We like it over here. We don't want to work that hard, but... Even they had to go and help. But I want to ask you, be honest. Where are you at? Stand up. What's that old saying? I'd rather... It's easier to run with 10,000 than to drag a thousand, drag one. What is it? It's easier to run with 100 than drag one. (laughs) How many of y'all want to really want to advance the kingdom of God? I'm telling you, it's within you to do that. It's within you to do that. Just bow your heads. First of all, I, 